Welcome to the Mainstream Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Merle. I'm Larry. And I still don't know what the hell I'm going to say. It's been a long night, huh? Yes, it has. Oh. All right. Our subject for today, man. Oh. A little interesting one we got going on here. This is the true story of the men in black. Yeah, I keep looking out the window, making sure nobody shows up. <laughs> uh, it'll probably happen after. But have you noticed, anytime anybody ever does anything about Men in Black, they always kind of show up. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to uh, at least one of those stories in that's, this episode. That's right. But uh, if you hear me clicking, I'm just it's been a long night for me, so. Clicking away, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, the Men in Black, it um, how do I want to say it? I mean, there, there's so much weird stuff about affiliated with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much mystery. You know, the the whole thing. You know, started a whole movie franchise. You know, yeah, and um, even. I guess came from like UFO conspiracies. And yep. I mean, this supposedly the men in black, you know, they're supposedly men dressed in black suits, you know, who uh, claim to be, I don't know, quasi government agents. Yeah, they work for a known, known organization in the. Uh, United States. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they show up and harass, threaten, or uh, assassinate UFO witnesses to keep them quiet. Especially the ones that they know are fixing to come, you know, write stories or whatever. Uh-huh. That's when they normally come up and go, look, keep it quiet or else. Yeah. Yeah, so man, hopefully we don't have anybody show up. I'm taking pictures. <laughs> but uh, be the last thing on my phone. Nobody ever see it because they'll take the damn phone too. I'll hide it. Um, it is sometimes uh, implied that they may be aliens themselves, which I've seen some photo. Well, we've seen some photographs yeah. and kind of questionable. Yeah, I mean. Because when they show up, the photos I've seen, like, of these supposed real man in black, you know, it doesn't look like they have any eyebrows, and they're, yeah. it almost, it almost looked like they were wearing a mask. Yeah, it but does. It, I mean, it looks like real skin, but... And there's very few photos taken, which surprises me that there was even a photo that's been put out. That hasn't... Yeah, that hasn't been removed because mm-hmm. half the time you hear about the men in black coming in, there's never photos, no um, video surveillance or anything that's caught it. And during that time frame, it's either been erased or that footage is coming missing. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of odd that that one particular photo is... From a still of uh, video cameras out there, but yeah, they use the term also like to describe these mysterious men who work for these unknown, unknown organizations, as well as different branches of the government. But they're allegedly designed to protect secrets and of strange activities, yeah. possible like Area Fifty One and all these different alien encounters and and possible military installations yeah yeah um and the term is generically used uh for any any unusual threatening or strange threatening or strangely behaved individual whose appearance on the scene can be linked to some fashion with a UFO 
But before they were uh, men in black, they were just standard government officials. Say, let's take Roswell, for instance. They were just plain-dressed government officials going around Roswell, New Mexico, saying, look, you didn't see anything. And then, I think it was like a year or two later, because mm-hmm. Men in Black didn't actually start showing up to, what, 47? Oh, uh, yeah. For, and Roswell is, what, 40... Forty-five, something like that. So, and then all of a sudden they had their own branch. Yeah. So yeah. But um, Men in Black, you know, um, are prominently in like UFO folklore in the fifties and sixties. But it it all started in nineteen forty-seven. Uh, this man, uh, Harold Dalla, um, claimed to have been warned not to talk about his UFO sighting on Maury Island by a man in a dark suit. In the mid-1950s, this UFOlogist, Albert K. Bender, claimed he was visited by Men in dark suits who threatened and warned him not to continue investigating UFOs. Um, actually got some more on that one. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, going back to... Uh, Da, the doll. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on a conservation mission in uh, the Puget Sound uh, near the Washington, right. uh, Maury Island. He was gathering logs when he saw six donut-shaped obs- uh, obstacles. Unless you're from the deep south, and that's obstacles. Obstacles. <laughs> Hovering about a half a mile above his boat, but he said before long one of them nearly fell nearly fifteen hundred feet, followed by raining metallic debris. Um, he said some of it hit his son. Um, so apparently this happened back in June twenty seven, nineteen forty seven. So it was him, his son, and a dog on this boat that were out there. Said he hit his son in the arm and hit the family dog, and the dog died because of it. Yeah. Um, he was able to take some pictures of the aircraft with his camera, which he later showed to his supervisor. Um, the supervisor went back um, went back to the scene to look for himself and saw a strange aircraft with his own eyes. And then. Uh, the following morning, he was visited by a man in a dark, dark suit. Uh, they ended up at a local diner, and um, the man wanted him to recount his experience. And he, in quotes, what I have said is proof to you that I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you you'll want to believe. The man, uh, the man said. Um, and Dolly was told not to speak of the incident. If he did, bad things would happen. Uh, the supposed events uh, continue to fuel conspiracy theories at, to this day. And uh, uh, U.S. government, through a U.S. government investigation, they deemed it a hoax. Um, But I mean, this is what really started yeah. the, the whole Men in Black thing. So, and you got going back to that um, Bender. Mm-hmm. Um, his was back in '53. He found founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau, and um, some kind of magazines like Space Review, I think, it was right. called. 
that he edited and uh, after that he was visited by he said three men all in dark suits who revealed reasons to discontinue studying the UFOs and uh, threat threatened threat threatened yeah Uh, made threats towards anyone in his group if he persisted his final issue of the Space Review ended in an enigmatic warning. We advise those engaged in saucer work to please be very cautious. So, I mean, you got got these people showing up at all these different things in the 40s, and especially 40s and 50s, 60s. Right. Try trying to hush people up. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what? Here's something that's interesting. During that time, there was no media coverage, right? Like what we have now. We have internet, cell phone. Easy, everything's easily listenable to. Mm-hmm. How did the quote unquote the men in black? know how to get to in touch with Bender while he was doing the story. Right. And how did they how did they um especially back in 47 with the the other guy the doll. Mhm. How did they know like basically right after he told his supervisor. I mean, exactly. It's not like they contacted the government agents, you know the government about it. The only thing I could figure is, you know, local press. He went to local press, said something, and that's how it got out. But I don't think it was like in the short period of time frame that they're making it out. Right. You know, the news got out, and then the government found out. And then they were like, look, mm-hmm. send somebody down, talk to these people, shush it. Right. You know, I don't think it's as quick as they're making it out to be. It's like, oh, I saw a UFO yesterday. Wait a minute, somebody shut my door that day. That didn't happen back then. I don't think it did. It probably did, but news didn't spread that quick back then. Right. Because we didn't have the technology for it. Phones back then, yeah, you could probably eavesdrop on a phone call. But why would somebody, quote-unquote, they might be want to eavesdrop on nobody. Right, a uh, conservation person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There was no source of interest to do that. Right. But yeah, apparently these like these men, MIBs, Men in Black, you know. Yep. They uh, always give these credentials you know cia fbi you know when they show up they've even you know say they're from norad you know well anybody that knows norad's space related so right but they always they always show up in like these big huge black cars yeah always a black car never fails (laughs) Makes me think of think of the the old uh, Crown Crown Vic from, oh, man, from the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, everything's always black. I mean, makes no sense. I mean, they all well, they always portray them as as everything's black. But yeah. From from the research, everything's been saying dark. So it could have been... Like a dark blue, charcoal, something like that. I mean, of course, it could have been black, but... Yeah. Saying dark, you know, refers to... It could have been any color of dark. Right. And something else, some of the physical descriptions of these these men in black, they, you know, a lot of people saying, well, they wore dark sunglasses. Right. Or, if they weren't wearing sunglasses, every... Um, description of the person's eyes uh-huh. has always been they had dark eyes. Right. 
It's never, well, they had blue eyes. They had brown eyes. It's always dark eyes. So. But yeah, I read something. It was talking about the sunglasses because something about like the the brightness of their eyes. Yeah. That's why they wore the dark glasses. Can't find it here in my notes. You know, one of the stories is that they're like a hybrid from way back when. Mm-hmm. And um, sunlight hurts their eyes since they're a hybrid, so they have to wear the sunglasses. Right. And there's stories with, um, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Eisenhower? I think it was Eisenhower that had a something to do with the UFO sightings. Um, as he, when he was in president, as a president. Because that would have been yeah. early, early sixties. And there's been a lot of presidents that's actually had UFO sightings too. So I wonder if they were ever visited by Men in Black. Let me think about it. Yeah. President Carter, Reagan, Eisenhower. All had a sighting. Right. So I'm wondering if anybody ever came up to them and go, you can't talk about this. Uh, yeah. Um, going back, or well, going to some of these, I guess you can call it a, um, in different encounters. Um, that uh, that vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think here. Oh, okay. There was a. There was another one. Um, a doctor Herbert Hopkins. He was working as a consultant on a UFO case in Maine. And one evening he received a phone call from someone uh, saying that he was an activist in the UFO community asking him if he could visit Hopkins to discuss the case. Only minutes later the man arrived. And said the man was wearing a black suit and black tie and had a very unusual facial appearance. He had no, no hair or eyebrows and was extremely pale. So that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. So uh, Hopkins' dog began barking erratically um, the minute the man entered his home. And after the visitor was finished questioning him about the UFO case, um, he uh, informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which he was correct about and asked him to remove one Hopkins complied and he held the coin it was a shiny new penny in the palm of his hand and the MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely after a few moments the coin took on a silvery appearance and then appeared to be going out of focus that would be weird if everything's going out of focus yeah and it just began to fade and eventually disappeared. And then the MIB informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. And um, he then inquired as whether Hopkins was familiar with alleged UFO abductee Bernie Hill. And Hopkins said he had heard of him and he was under the impression that he had died and not too distant past 
So the MIB informed Hopkins that he was correct, and Barney didn't have a heart attack, said the MIB. Just like you know, you no longer have a coin, um, the MIB then gently suggests, suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the UFO case. Um, but it's noted that this Barney Hill actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. But I guess the way the way it reads basically is he informed Hopkins I was correct. He said Barney didn't have a heart, just like you no longer have a coin. So this guy is saying that he actually took, or not him, but <clears throat> somebody made Barney Hill's heart disappear. Right. And if some people are not familiar with uh, Barney Hill, uh, Barney and his wife Betty Hill were an American couple who claimed they were abducted by extraterrestrials um, in New Hampshire uh, September 19th or 20th of 1961. What was that year again? 19 what? 61. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Barney... February 25th, uh, 1961, is when he died. was 1969. Okay. Uh, we got another weird, kind of weird story here. It's, uh, this Jim Templeton was shocked to discover uh, a figure in the background of a photo of his daughter. He uh, said uh, he figured it was not, the figure was not in the camera's view when he took the photo. Nobody had any idea where it came from. Um, the film was verified by, as authentic by Kodak, which everybody knows is, right. you know, film, um, film manufacturers. And Templeton's story went public not long after he was visited by two government agents who referred to themselves as number nine and number ten. They demanded to see the photo, the, the site of the photo, and questioned Templeton about the event. When Templeton told them he didn't see the figure personally, men became angry and stormed out of the field, never to be seen again. He said he was later contacted by two employees at a missile launch pad in Australia who claimed they saw two figures that resembled a man in his daughter's photo on launch pad security footage. Apparently, the missiles at the site in Australia had been produced only 20 miles away from the field where huh. Templeton took the photo. That's crazy. But if you look at this photograph, it, I mean, it kind of looks like a... Looks like an astronaut. Yeah. But it's weird that he didn't see it when he took the photo. Right. And hmm. Okay. Um, got another one. Danny Gordon. Was, uh, he was a radio personality who became interested in flurry of with County of in a flurry of with wife wife County UFO sightings multiple people across the county claimed to have seen bizarre objects in the sky I'm trying to see doesn't tell what's and he decided to investigate. Uh, he became obsessed with getting these photos of these objects, including one time where an entire school bus of students saw the UFOs flying over a shopping mall. Yeah. <laughs> um, as Gordon took photos. Eventually, Gordon snapped a few photos at extremely co close range that allegedly verified they were not of this world. 
However, strange things began to happen to Gordon. He received a phone call from a man who claimed to be ex-military, warned him that his research could cost him everything, and urged him to stop for his family's sake. Uh, let's say Gordon was interviewed by two men in black suits who claimed to have worked for a magazine publication. Not long after the interview, Gordon realized all his photos were missing. That's crazy. <laughs> he contacted the magazine for information. And they claimed to have never heard of him, much less commissioned an article about him. Not long after that, he suffered a heart attack, and his doctors warned him that all the research and stress was jeopardizing his health, and so he gave mm -hmm. up on the story. See, that sounds a little too coincidental. Yeah. Sounds like somebody got to the doctor, you know? <sighs> Throat's a little dry. <clears throat> so if you if you hear me cough or anything like that, I don't have corona. <laughs> well, I definitely don't. I got tested. What was it? About two weeks ago. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I just it's one of those night shift nights. But um, let's see. Uh, had another one. UFO researcher seems like most of these are like UFO researchers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Robinson and his wife, Mary, began to experience extremely strange events as they pursued m more alien and UFO-related research. They would come home to find their house rummaged and look through and their UFO, UFO files disturbed. I didn't mean they were missing, they were just... Disturbed. Like somebody was looking through him. Yeah. Mary also began to notice a strange man in a black suit and hat staring up at their apartment from the doorway. Huh. So if you go back and look at the, this picture that they're showing, kind of creepy. Um, Mary mentioned this activity to a friend who drove over and saw what she was talking about for himself. The friend, Tim Green Beckley, snapped a photo of the man which is believed to be one of the most ironclad pieces of proof of men in black. So, we'll uh, <clears throat> I'll definitely show this photograph in our okay. um, video feed. Yeah, our, our video cast, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> You want to do this one? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that last name. <laughs> or, um, there is a professor who claims that he was reading a UFO book in a library when a strange pale man wearing all black uh, sat down next to him. Uh, mm -hmm. The man began talking to the professor and asked him about his opinion on flying saucers. The professor replied that he wasn't super interested, and the man became very agitated. He eventually left, leaving the professor extremely uncomfortable and anxious. All right. That right there is twice I've seen that. That they get agitated? Yeah, if you're not. All right, like the guy that had the photo and didn't see the right, figure the, yeah, the, said that the two people that were questioning him got agitated because he didn't see it. Uh-huh. Now, this guy is in a library reading a book. This guy sits down beside him. He's asked, hey, uh, what's, your, what's your opinions on it? And the guy says, eh, it is what it is, pretty much. And the guy gets agitated. So, why, if um, these, these men in black, quote-unquote, are supposed to be shushing people, not to be talking, right? Why get agitated when someone says, "Yeah, I don't believe it." I mean, you would think that'd be like, "Good answer, have a nice day," and walk off, instead of going, "What? You don't it, really?" It makes no yeah. sense. It makes no sense at all. 
Now, you got an interesting story you're fixing to talk about, I know. I think you know more about this one because you've actually seen the uh, yeah, video. The, all right. Dan Aykroyd. Everybody loves him. He's a phenomenal actor. Um, he, um, he's played in a lot of great movies, you know. And at one time, he had his own show about paranormal and UFOs and everything else. Well, during a take, um, he got a phone call. He was fixing to talk about a particular episode. And um, he's supposed to be an interview with somebody, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he got a phone call from Britney Spears. Oh, okay. So to take the call, he went outside the studio. And this was in New York. Well, he goes outside. He's standing. It's not quite an alleyway, but it's like a one-way street. Mm-hmm. And um, he's sitting there talking to her and all this and that. And he's fixing to do an interview with a person that had evidence of UFOs. Well, he's sitting there. You know how you're talking on the phone. You're looking around. He notices a black four-door car and he thought it was kind of odd well then the car slowly drives up and he's sitting there talking passes and he's still talking he looks the other way he looks back and the car is gone and he says there's no way that car could have went from there to there without him seeing it and he said that was just very odd well when he goes back back inside to talk to the to start to show the interview with a guy his producer comes up and says the show's been canceled just he said he got a phone call and the show's been canceled it was the weirdest thing <laughs> and even to this day dad Erkoid still swears by that story <clears throat> and the interesting thing about this was I tried to pull up the video the, the short clip, not the whole actual one hour documentary. One hour, yeah. Yeah. But just the short clip. It's it was on YouTube. I tried different on several different devices and as soon as it starts to come up, an error has occurred on every device. They're trying they're trying to stop us. <laughs> Apparently. Because I was trying to like watch that before right before you got here so I could know a little bit more about that but I couldn't couldn't get into let's see yeah scroll back up it says right there um, Dan Aykroyd has come forward with a story about how he was ta- uh, taping a show about the paranormal he stepped out to take a phone call from Britney Spears, who was asking him to appear on Saturday Night Live with her. When he noticed a black Ford park across the street, a tall man stepped out of the Ford and stared at him. Aykroyd turned away from her a moment and then turned back to find that the man in the car had completely vanished. After he finished his phone call, he returned to the studio to learn that the show had been canceled and he was ordered to stop filming immediately. Some doubt his claim, but Aykroyd says he knew what he saw. It maintains that there's some kind of connection between these MIB and the end of the paranormal show. See, I had totally forgot about the guy getting out of the car. Mm. He said that was what caught him, is this big guy mm. gave him this, like, dirty go-to, you know, look. And that, you know, he said that's what stuck with him. Yeah, I mean, you've had so many weird things that, uh, I mean, like, like I said before, it sparked a whole, you know, um, movie franchise. And, and there's a, a lot of books about it. Yeah, a lot of You can't of find books. a whole lot of articles online. Right. But there's a lot of books, like on Amazon and stuff like that. But where are all these people getting their research? Right. That's what I want to know. Is if they're so mysterious and so secretive, how are these people getting this information? 
on Men in Black when there's nothing really out there on them besides personal accounts. Right. Yeah, I heard a car. <laughs> I did tell you that's the reason I look. It's kind of <laughs> odd. Out. All right, here's something I've, I've got a question, and maybe you can answer this. MUFON. Um, I'm sure everybody's familiar with MUFON. Um, how are they eliminated from the long arm of Men in Black? That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah, the the volunteer. I mean, they've got a huge place that they call Hainer. I think it's called Hainer One. But how do they not interfered with Men in Black? And they are constantly doing research. Yeah, I mean, and being like the oldest and largest, you know. Yeah. You would think they'd have. I'm wondering if if they have something to do with NASA and have more inside information. Who Mufon? Yeah, Mufon gets their information from sightings. And people like you and me. Um, they also get some of their information from scientists that have come forward and everything. Um, like the uh, the guy from uh, Area 51, who was a scientist there and came forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, they get information from things like that. Um, they get their reports from... Um, like I said, eyewitness accounts, uh, scientists, they get it from, uh, NASA, uh, like there was, yeah, do you remember earlier I mentioned the thing about the, uh, the asteroid? Roswell was 1947. Okay. Do you remember I mentioned the, the astronaut, the female astronaut that said that she had seen a um, UFO outside the space shuttle? Yeah. Okay. These recordings that get brought out, they go and investigate it. They talk and they research mm-hmm. and all this and that. And I mean, they got a huge warehouse, but they—you don't ever hear about them getting harassed because they would be the first person. Seriously, think about that. If a, if a major UFO research facility like MUFON was harassed, do you not think they would make a claim and get all the information and everything on MIB? I mean, you would think. You would. But have you noticed most of the, like, the stuff we've read today, most people are threatened and mm-hmm. just... To back off. Except for the one guy who's heart disappeared you know uh heal yeah. yeah um i wonder if they ever went and did a autopsy on him if they would actually find his heart gone i don't know that see they said he died of a cerebral hemorrhage yeah that's cerebral that's your head that's right. not your heart but i'm saying if they went in and did an autopsy and found his heart missing i wonder if they would lend a whole lot of credence right Yeah, because, I mean, MUFON was established in 69. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they they got cases that go all the way back to the late 1800s. Yeah. Like the, See, I, uh, did, I didn't know anything about the 1800s one. Yeah, there was a, um, a UFO that crashed through a guy's windmill in, like, the Old West. Mm-hmm. And... Um, MUFON actually sent uh, people out to um, Aurora, Texas. Um, sent some, an investigator out to 
go look at the because there's an act was an actual grave from where they buried this alien or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when they went out there and started asking questions and everything, the the tombstone disappeared. <laughs> oh, they moved it. But back then it was like no big deal. They weren't that shaken from something crashing and you know all freaked out. Yeah. Uh, Project Blue Book. You know, that was started by the government to shut people up saying, no, there's no such thing. But, you know, all these eyewitness accounts. Yeah, that may be something to talk about in another episode. These different. That worked. So we're at 40 minutes. But yeah, I mean, like I said, my, that's why I'm wondering, like, if they're just such a large organization that threats don't, you know, don't stir them, you know, like these civilian, you know, I mean, I know they're a civilian organization, but, you know, they're mm-hmm. such a large organization that, you know. Wouldn't have any weight on them. Right. Question is, if Men in Black came to you, how would you react? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, would I, would I be like, hey, get the hell out of my yard? Yeah. Or whatever. Or would I be like, okay. You know. <laughs> I really don't know what I'd do. I mean, what would you do? Well, I mean... If it was me, and you know how I am, I'd put up a little bit of resistance. Um, but if the threats got more intense, mm-hmm. I'd probably back off. Because it's not worth putting your family's life at danger. No. But I would definitely, you know, before they got to that point, I'd be doing everything I could to find out, look, who are these people in my yard? Why are they telling me to stop what I'm doing? Right. You know, and then if it got, yeah, started getting now, more tense. No, I do have a couple of stories that I didn't put in my research. Okay. But these are ones that I've seen before. Um, I may have talked about this one, may, with, but it may have just been a conversation between us. Um, there was um, a story... I was thinking it was Utah, somewhere out on there. Um, maybe in California. I don't know. But it would have been Northern California. Um, about the guy dry, uh, that was driving in the desert. Or it was a, um, a sheriff's department uh, deputy was driving. And um, seeing this guy that was going to jump off of a bridge and he uh, was trying to coax him down and the guy apparently the guy jumped and apparently when he hit like he didn't have red blood like we have it was I don't remember what color it was but said uh not long after that um two guys pull up in a police car and said they were with the highway patrol and that they were going to take over the scene and an ambulance came out to pick up the the individual Mm -hmm. well um no what it was was he was chasing him like and the guy jumped off the overpass. Okay. And, well, he, uh, when deputy got back to the uh, sheriff's department to log this information, um, he called the highway patrol to find out who these, who the officers were. Mm-hmm. They sent out to put in his report. 
said that no officers were dispatched. And then hmm. he uh, called the um, hospital to find out about the, the ambulance that right. came out. And they said that there was no ambulance ever dispatched to that area. And, Dang. But these men just showed up and took this person or creature, whatever it was. Kind of makes you wonder how they know at that particular moment. Because it always seems like they show up and nobody makes a call. Right. Because if the guy, or if this deputy is putting in his paperwork and he's trying to get in touch with the fellow um, enforcement to find out the officer's names... Not once did it mention that he radioed for help. Right. Because if he radioed for help, then they would say, yeah, car was dispatched, but we don't have any officers by that name. But he never called for help, which is kind of odd. Because if you're chasing somebody, right. you're wanting backup. The guy dies, and all of a sudden an ambulance shows up, and you don't call for an ambulance yeah. to pick up the body? weird they always seem to know right when to show up and the other thing I other one I had they'll go into a I may end up telling the story again later on in a different okay. episode but it had to do with uh, the black black eyed children yeah did I tell you about this episode or this story about you the, and I have sat and talked about <laughs> the black eyed children for I don't know the, how many times there was a ish uh, story where um, these two children show up at a um, at this home. I'm not I think Texas or something like that. Everything um, happens in Texas. Seems like it, but uh, they uh, either Texas or Louisiana. I can't remember. Somewhere right in there. Um, it was an older man and woman. Well, of course, she opens the door and sees these two, like, 12, 13-year-old kids, you know, and saying that, you know, they're cold and asking if they could come in and wait for their parents. I think you have told me this before. And, um, you know, she was kind of, kind of creeped out by them because mm-hmm. they had saw black eyes. Right. And... But she reluctantly let him in because, of course, you know, being a grandmother, you know, she, you know, she wanted to take these kids in and keep them safe. Yeah. Until their parents arrived. Well, what's in? Two things about that. The dog, like, flips out. They had a dog in the house. It flips out and takes off into the other room. Hmm. And, and it's apparently hiding. While these children are there, the kids ne- never call, make a call or anything, but a black four-door sedan shows up, and two men dressed all in black suits uh, come and get these kids, and they leave. Hmm. Well, the woman is not hearing anything from they and. The husband this entire time was, he didn't want her to let him in. Didn't want her to let him in. Well, right. she did. Well, she goes in the other room to get the dog. The dog's dead. That's crazy. And I can't remember what they said happened. Like something like its or something with its organs. Like okay. the organs just like completely burst or something. No, it's almost like they just cor- like corrosion. Like it was just like corroded. It's crazy. Um, so I mean, they didn't know that until they took it to the vet. But what to me, what was it? What's weird about that story was is, you know, they never made a call, and this car just shows up to get these kids. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm wondering if there's if there's a connection between these black eyed kids and Men in Black. It very well could be. Well, see, that's what I'm wondering: are the black eyed kids hybrids? Or why are they hybrids? Are they like experiments? Experiments? Are they? Um, are they? Because. Well, we we've you said before about the men in black having to wear the dark sunglasses mm-hmm. because their eyes were black. Right. So are they just adult versions of these? That's a good thought. Children. That's a good idea. Because nobody ever, all the ones they ever see are the children. Right. They never see any adults. But in this case, you know, you got quote unquote men in black show up to pick up these kids mm-hmm. that's a good question I mean I, that's a good yeah I never thought of that I never thought of that that link between the two that's a good question I said we find out <laughs> I'm being serious but yeah I mean that that's what I got on Metal Black I mean do you got any more stories you know no I don't I got more more stuff about UFO than I do on the Men in Black, but that's a different story. Yeah. That's a different episode. <laughs> so. So, I guess, I mean, we're, we're approaching an hour. So okay. I mean, that's our time. So, I guess we'll go ahead and end it there. Yep. Um, all I got um, <laughs> so um, thanks from for for listening guys from us here at Mainstream Paranormal Mainstream Paranormal Podcast yep uh, I'm Merle I'm Larry we'll see you on the other side